Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 6, and beginning at verse 1. We've been uh, doing a series here on the book of Romans, going through it pretty much verse by verse. Uh, Romans was written to the Romans. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, in it, it's probably one of the uh, most, uh, I'd say, comprehensive uh, treatises on uh, theolo- theology and, and what salvation is all about. Pastor Wayne preached on chapter 5 last week, and it's my favorite chapter in the book of Romans because you'll see Paul has these special phrases as he's writing letters and in Romans chapter 5, five times he says, much more. This and that is much more. Praise God. God is much more powerful than death itself. So today, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to be dead to sin and alive to God. Romans chapter 6. I know it says, uh, how do you do the thing there? Uh, Nope. Where's the pointer on the side? The laser? Ah, there it is. Eh. Oh. (laughs) Uh, On. There we go. I know it says Romans 11 there in Roman numerals, but it's chapter 6. So, let's try this. What shall we say then? Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? After all that much more the grace of God and much more, how much more God loves us than we could ever really know in this lifetime. How much more? What shall we say to all of that? That Jesus took our sins upon Himself. So He writes and He asks this rhetorical question, if you will. What shall we say then? Shall we continue sinning that grace may abound? In the Amplified uh, Bible, it says that grace may multiply and overflow. In the NIV, it says that grace may increase. It's inexhaustible, that's true. But should we, you know, sin more and more so that there'll be more and more grace? For where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Matthew Henry's commentary. He says, the Apostle Paul was startled by the thought of more sin resulting in pardon being magnified. It's like, what? I can almost, he probably wouldn't say this, or might probably wouldn't even think this, but what are you, stupid? <laughs> That's the thought that comes in my brain. But anyway, this idea of continuing in sin that grace may abound is called antinomianism. It's a false doctrine, according to Funk and Wagnall's dictionary, that faith frees the Christian from the obligations of the moral law. It's an abuse of the grace of God. In law, it's a law that contradicts itself. I don't know how else to explain it, but it's like they... You ever go on the internet? You can look up all of the Arizona Revised Statutes, and there's all kinds of laws. I even looked up the uh, Securities and Exchange Act of 19 whatever it was, and it's so confusing. I said, "My goodness, no wonder they pay these lawyers so much money." 
But when a law is made that has uh, provisions in it that nullify provisions in the same law, it's called antimonianism or antinomianism legally. Theologically, it's the abuse of grace. So Paul says, and he answers his own question, certainly not, absolutely not, no way, Jose. We should not continue in sin. Our new nature, once we become born again and we receive Jesus, Jesus has put a new nature inside of us, a new heart, a new spirit, a new way of thinking, a new way of looking at things, and we should find sin revolting. We should. It should bother you if you sin once you get saved. Can you say amen? Praise God. So Paul has been uh, explaining the way of salvation, redemption, and justification. Redemption is salvation from sin through the atonement of Christ. Anybody ever heard of the word, the uh, phrase, the vicarious atonement? Anybody? Pastor Wayne has. (laughs) Anybody else? The vicarious atonement. That's where Jesus took your place on the cross. I was listening to the radio and uh, somebody was uh, uh, doing a dramatic reading of the Pilgrim's Progress. And they were in the part where Pilgrim is explaining to uh, uh, another person that he had uh, uh, left the city of destruction. He knew God was going to destroy the city because of the sin, but he had this great burden on his back. And if you've ever seen a movie of it, He's got this huge sack on his back and he's trudging along. And he says, Evangelist pointed me up the hill to the cross. And he says, uh, in his own words, uh, as he goes closer to the cross, he saw a man on the cross bleeding and dying. And he knew that he was taking his own place. He knew that he was bleeding and dying for him. Picture this in your mind. Jesus on the cross, he's been beaten, he's been whipped. He's been uh, tortured, and now they have him hanging up there in public, executed. The innocent person who didn't do anything wrong, never ever did anything wrong, never sinned, and he's bleeding. His blood's dripping out of his body. He can't breathe because of the position of his arms, and that's where you and I, the punishment that we deserve was placed on him. The vicarious atonement. Salvation, according to Funk and Wagnall's Standard College Dictionary, copyrighted in 1966, is salvation is deliverance from sin and its penalty. And it comes from a Latin word, salus, which means to be safe. To be safe. It's like, man, how many, (laughs) besides myself, have done things that you don't want anybody to know? But God knows. And the amazing thing is, God will forgive. Isn't that awesome? I don't want anybody to know what I did back then. The past is the past. Thank God the past is the past. For your aunt, the past is the past. It's gone. Can't do anything about it. Just go forward. Just go forward. To be justified is to cause to be free of grievous sin and to be reconciled with God. It also means to declare 
or proved to be guiltless or blameless. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. I'll read them very quickly. If you have your Bibles, read along. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 through 22. There are 22 commands and admonitions in chapter 5. Here's just a few of them. Paul writes and he says, We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards everyone. See that no one renders evil for evil unto any person. <clears throat> but ever follow that which is good among yourselves and to everybody. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. How many want to do the will of God? Oh God, what's your will for my life? Give thanks in everything. Give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. Give thanks. That's the will of God. Why can we do that? How can we rejoice when we're having problems? How can we pray without ceasing? Think about God and Jesus and what He would have you do wherever you are. He's always with us. We don't have to invite the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. When you received the Holy Spirit, it didn't leak out. It didn't, or he didn't decide, oh, well, that's it. I'm through with you. <clears throat> that's not what the Bible says. He has sealed us. He's given us a guarantee, a deposit. Okay, where am I going with this? I'll let you know in just a few minutes. Verse 19, quench not the Spirit. Verse 20, despise not prophesying. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And... Doing all these things, the very God of peace will sanctify you, set you apart for His service. And I pray to God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a good thing? God declares you and I blameless. We're blameless before God. He who calls you, is faithful, he will also do it. God is faithful. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that his faithfulness reaches to the clouds and the heavens. Now, <clears throat> does that sound like continuing in sin? Certainly not. Do good. <laughs> Pray. Rejoice. Hold fast that which is good. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. If it's questionable, well, you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Praise God. So, I want to look just for a moment at the definition of grace in the New Testament. According to Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, this is the Greek word charis, where we get the word charisma from. And it's the friendly disposition from which the kindly act proceeds. What's the kindly act? That God gave His only Son for you and I. For God so loved the world, the whole world, that He gave His only Son. That's the kindly act of God. It generally means goodwill. When Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds. Goodwill from God. Peace on earth toward men. 
it's especially designed divine favor and its stress in the meaning is it's free it's for everybody and it's from God himself and it's designed to give us pleasure and joy the opposite of it is owing a debt or having to do it by works how many know you cannot earn God's favor you can't oh God if I pray enough then you'll be happy with me. If I read my Bible enough, you'll be happy with me. If I tell everybody about Jesus, you'll be happy with me. Well, guess what? Not everybody wants to hear about Jesus. Surprise! I mean, it's the best news in the whole world. And the, pff, I don't need God. I had one guy tell me, yeah, I, I lead an Alcoholics Anonymous class, and uh, I studied all the religions in the world, and uh, uh, none of them are any good. Well, Jesus is not a religion. Yeah, I don't need it. Really? Okay. Well, I don't want to be in your shoes at the end. It's a sense of favor bestowed. God, God is the best dad in the whole universe. The best dad in the whole universe. Loves us. Praise God. In Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> excuse me, after listing the works of the flesh, which I was doing most of before I got saved, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Excuse me. And he says, against these activities, there's no law. It's not against the law to be nice. It's not against the law to be patient and kind. It's not against the law. Praise God. So, we're not living in sin anymore because we are in Christ Jesus. Remember the legal terminology, you're either in Adam or in Christ. And when you get Christ in you, you get removed from being in Adam and you get put into being in Christ. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Our old life is over. Our old person, the person we used to be, is dead. Doesn't seem like it all the time, but it's true. That's what the Bible says. In the Message Bible, it says, You have left the old country permanently. You packed up everything, and you said, Bye, I'm emigrating to a new country. Basically, what happened? I'm gone. I'm not going back, ever. I, this, is, this is too far. Praise God. We were buried, in verse 4, <clears throat> with Jesus. How many know ever seen uh, a dead body that hasn't been buried? It's pretty nasty. I uh, have a book at home. Uh, it's a, one of those life, time life books, and, and uh, kind of a history book. There's a photograph in there of the aftermath of some horrible... Um, ethnic rioting in India and there's dead bodies all over the place full jump on the, the the buildings and it's like oh my god this is awful I mean ugh, it's disgusting it's gross why then would we not consider our old life disgusting and gross and dead and buried Thank God we got, we were buried with him. 
through baptism into death. When you got baptized, <coughs> excuse me, it is a uh, profession of your faith in Jesus. It's the next step in obedience once you respond to the invitation to receive Christ as your Savior. Jesus got baptized, so should we. It's a step in discipleship. And Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary, when you get baptized, you get saved, you get baptized, and you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But it is a step of obedience. It's highly recommended. And you begin to enter into all the benefits and obligations of living for God. How many know there's benefits to living for God? Praise God. Great benefits. Better than any benefit you can get anywhere. Hallelujah. But there's also obligations. Things we should do. Things we ought to do. Praise God. So we're new creations. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 says, you know, the only thing that really matters is a new life. When you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus, did your life change? It should have. It should still be changing. Can you say amen? It's, God's not through with us yet. Hallelujah. Thank God he's not done with me yet. Thank God he's not done with you yet. Can you say amen? Don't shout me down. He's got work still wants to do in us. We're not perfect yet, but we're on our way. Praise God. We've emigrated. We were. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. Jesus uh, uh, has done what's so amazing to us. In uh, his letter, Paul says, you were dead in sins and trespasses. People think they're having fun living in sin. Oh, this is great fun. But eventually, eventually, it's payday. In Romans chapter 6, later on it says, the wages of sin is death. And that went through my mind for like two years. Why doesn't God kill me? But, the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. So when we were, were dead, He has made us alive in Christ and has seated us. You can say it with me. Seated us. Seated us in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. That's where you're at. Where are you at? Where will I live here? In the... No, we are at heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The kingdom of heaven has come down to earth and it's here for us. Praise God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says, As many of us you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, We have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Say renewed in knowledge, renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created that new man in us, that new person. Verse 4 uh, says we're to walk in newness of life. We have a new identity. We're not a secret identity. It's not like Clark Kent that no one could recognize. He was Superman at the same time. He's displaced from his planet and he invades Earth as an alien and uh, nobody recognizes him because he's got glasses on. So, that guy, and then he didn't have much of a secret identity. Can you say amen? <laughs> Praise God. So how does it work? We're buried with him through baptism into death that 
Ah, there's the point. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we also should walk in newness of life. This is another one of Paul's famous words that he uses over and over. Also, we also should and shall, and we'll see later on in the Scriptures, also, praise God. He's, he's connecting us to God. He's connecting us to one another. He's connecting us to Jesus. Chapter 6, verse 5. If, say if, if. Let's substitute and say since or because we have been united together in the likeness of His death. Certainly, not maybe, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified, or woman, with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Anybody ever remember watching that movie, The Wizard of Oz? Towards the end, the wizard's there, and he gets in the hot air balloon, and Dorothy has to go get her dog, and it starts floating away. Wait, wait, come on, come on! I don't know how it works. And he floats away and she's all broken up. But we know how it works. We have been united together in the likeness of his death. Our old man is dead. Say with me. My old person is dead. And now we are united. We identified Jesus as our new identity. Since we have been united together. We also shall be, there's that, also, we also shall be, there's that phrase again, in the likeness of his resurrection, living a new life. I went to visit my parents uh, several years back, probably several decades back, but, and my, we went to the store, and my mom said, uh, uh, <clears throat> asked me to buy some stuff, and, and, uh, she didn't give me a list. She just told me, and she uh, asked me to buy some beer. And I haven't had beer in, since 1979, 1981. Since 1981, I haven't had beer. And uh, I used to drink a lot of beer. But I had, it had been so long that it completely slipped my mind. Beer, no, I'm not buying beer. And, and I go to the store and I come back with everything, and where's the beer? Ah, oh, I forgot. My old life was dead. It was no longer a part of me. Fear. But there's been times, not recently, but when I first got saved, there were times when I could almost taste a beer in my mouth. Oh, man, I've got to go get a beer. Oh, it's been so long, that, and it's dead for so long. There's no monument to it either, praise God. <laughs> it's gone. It was like, sorry, it's just not part of my life anymore. It's dead. Praise God. It's been disconnected. How many know anything about electricity? I know enough about electricity to be very respectful of electricity. <laughs> I've been zapped a couple of times. There's a disconnect. There's a, you can watch on YouTube. Uh, they have uh, accidents, uh, electrical accidents and it's like man when it's stuff connects pfft, watch out they have a 
video, a safety video, of a, they have a dummy standing there in front of this fuse box. I think it's 480 volts. And uh, so they're doing a test to see what happens. So they zap it. Boom! He gets knocked flying. And then they go and examine. He's burnt all over the place. It's like, holy cow, if that was a human being, that would have been bad. Can you imagine the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead? The power of God. Power of God raised him from the dead. Your aunt was raised practically from the dead by the power of God. What is this power? It's his love. Praise God. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. Living right for God gives you peace with God and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Power. Praise God. Uh, verse 6, we know in the Amplified Bible, let's read it here in the King, knowing this, knowing this, say that with me, knowing this, that our old man was crucified him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. In the uh, verse 6, uh, first half of it, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and the second part, actually there's three parts, that the body of sin might be done away with, it says in the Amplified, we know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, or was, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That because Jesus died taking our place, sin has been disconnected and made inactive and ineffective for us. We're no longer slaves. Jesus said uh, in John chapter 8, verse 34, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But in verse 36, he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Chapter 32, or chapter 8, verse 32 says, the truth will make you free. We're disconnected from the old life Jesus disconnected that by laying down his life. And they made contact with the new life when he raised from the dead. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what anyone has done. It's possible to break that connection. Our old man has been done away with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul makes an interesting statement. He says, I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and Him crucified. His voluntary submission to death in verse, uh, uh, in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary dissolved the dominion that death has over us. Our bodies will wear out. If Jesus doesn't come back uh, soon, some of us might, our bodies might expire. And we'll get to go be with Jesus before then. But that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus rose from the dead, because there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem, you and I have hope that our bodies will be redeemed, will be resurrected from the dead, we'll live with Jesus forever and ever. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11-13 through 13 says, 
This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also, there's that phrase again, we shall also live with him. Verse 12, if we endure, how many have to endure? We all have to endure. But guess what? There's going to be an end for whatever it is that we have to endure. That's why the word endure starts with end. It's going to end. We're not going to also endure forever and ever and ever. It will be an end if we endure. And here's the phrase again. We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. In verse 14, Paul writes and he says, remind everybody, God is faithful. So what do we do if we mess up? John chapter, uh, hold on. He who has died has been freed from sin. In other words, we're cleared, we're justified, we're acquitted. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2. Hold that thought that I just, about what, if, what happens if we sin. Stay with me for just a bit here, and then we'll get to that. How blessed, Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. How blessed is whoever's transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. How blessed is the person to whom the Lord does not overdraw their account because of iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. However, now, everybody say now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we all shall also, there's that phrase again, we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no longer has dominion over him. So if we died with Christ, we shall also live with him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says these words, My little children, I guess he was older when he wrote this. My little children, dearly beloved in God, these things I'm writing to you so that you may not sin. In other words, this is the purpose of the gospel, that we may not sin. However, he says, and if anyone does sin, and that doesn't mean that you make that your lifestyle. It means if you're going along and you stumble and you mess up, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So I went to look up advocate. What's advocate in the New Testament? So in Vine's uh, expository dictionary of Greek New Testament words, there is no word advocate. It says, see comforter. Who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Isn't that amazing? So if anyone sins, we have a comforter. And, and it's not like God's saying, oh, that's okay. No, God's saying, you know what? It's paid for. Get up and go on. And you say amen. Why? Because in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost, completely and forever, those who come to God through Jesus, because he always lives to make intercession for them and for us. 
The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Died to sin once for all. As Pastor Mike Petzer, our pastor at the 22nd Street Church uh, on uh, Living Hope Family Church, uh, the Mother Church, great saying, he says, there's not enough sin in the universe to nullify the unquestionably successful sacrifice of Jesus. That's power. There's not enough sin to make that sacrifice ineffective. It's so effective. And it was accepted by God the Father. And it's proven because Jesus rose from the dead. Because he rose from the dead. That shows us it's all paid for. Well, let's go to the next one. Oops. There you go. Likewise. Oops. Too many. <laughs> there we go. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to Christ. Alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Make sure your butt is in the right place. Likewise, you also. Who's he talking to? Every believer, everyone who's put their trust in Jesus, you also reckon or consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul the Apostle says, he writes, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. He understood that he's not obligated to keep the law of Moses anymore because there was no power in the law of Moses. No way anybody could be totally blameless because he writes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. That comes from the book of Psalms. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. You can do whatever you want. We have been brought into uh, and under the, what's called the law of liberty. You can do whatever you want. However, there's consequences, number one. And number two, not everything's helpful. And number three, not everything will build you up. You can do whatever you want. However, People are watching. People who know that you're a Christian, that you're saved, they're watching because they know there's certain things that are not helpful and there's certain things that are not edifying for believers. Anybody ever uh, try telling somebody about Jesus and you just get in an argument? I don't know if that's happened to any of you. But you have to use some wisdom. I have a new co-worker, and he's uh, uh, arguing, or not arguing. I wasn't arguing back. He was just telling me, ah, you know, I went to this church. All they want is my money. They don't want your money. They want your heart. <laughs> That's what they want. Jesus wants your heart. Hey, I'm right with God, but I'm living with my fiance, and we're not married yet. But I call her my wife, so that's okay. <laughs> okay, you can think whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but not all things are edifying. Not all things are helpful. Ah, rah, 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 rah. So I, I try not 
waiting for just the right opening so I can go in and use the sword of the Spirit effectively so that he gets the understanding. Because I told him, I said, I was raised as a Catholic. I started to read the Bible for myself and I found out I'm in trouble. Oh my goodness. What hope is there for me? He doesn't understand that just yet. He needs God to speak to him. How many know that's what most people need is they need God to speak to them. You can tell them all day long, you know, how oh, you messed up, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You're not right with God. And they'll say, who are you to judge me? Well, the word of God judges you. It says right here that this, this, and this. And, and they don't want to believe because they haven't heard from God yet. But someday, keep planting the little seeds. One plants, one waters, but God makes it grow. Praise God. <clears throat> They're alive to God in Christ Jesus. So that's the, the, uh, the difference. We're dead in sin. We received Jesus. We're now alive in Christ. And we'll end up here. Therefore. Wherefore? Therefore. What do you mean, therefore? Why, do we, why does he say therefore? Because he's tying in the last thought. Consider yourselves or reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. It's talking about the inner man. What's going on on the inside of you? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 Solomon's talking to his son and he says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. <clears throat> the, uh, I like this heading in the uh, commentary uh, when they start looking at uh, chapter 6, verse 12 and so on. It's uh, practical use. Believers should make of their death to sin and life to God through union with the crucified Savior. When we're connected with Jesus, He's crucified, and our old life is dead, we have available to us practical effectiveness that the old life is dead. The body here, He says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. The thought here is that the body is viewed as the instrument by which all the sins of the heart become facts in the outward life. Many years ago, I was working with an individual that I uh, had such a hard time with. Everything was a sexual innuendo in it. My God, I, I hated to work with the guy. Everything was. And I, and I told him, I said, you know what? When you get saved, you're going to kick yourself and say, why didn't I get saved sooner? I don't know if he ever got saved. He's dead and gone now. I hope he got saved. But out of his heart came all of this vile stuff, and it irritated me so much. And I missed an opportunity one day that Somebody said, Joe, why does it bother you when he says all that stuff? 
and I missed the opportunity. The scripture plainly spoke, and I should have used the one scripture, but I, I, I couldn't think of it at the time. Anybody been there? You, you know, you, you're talking to somebody about the things of God, and, and uh, later on you go home because you didn't get anywhere, and, you, and you're thinking, man, I should have said that. I should have said this. And there was one of those moments where I thought, oh, man, I wish I would have said this or that other thing. So I hope, I hope he kicked himself eventually, and I hope he got saved before he left this world. So the body is viewed as the instrument here by which all the sins of the heart become facts in the outward life. But God is able to change all of that. And he, and he tells us, do not let sin reign inside you. And do not present your members as instruments. This word instruments is actually weapons. Do not present your members. What's the, the one member of our body that's the most unruly that most people have a hard time with? James the Apostle writes, he says, it's the tongue is the most unruly member of your body. There's a, uh, in the Psalms, I don't remember where it is, it says, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. You know what you can do with your fingers? You can get on the internet and type stuff up. You can write letters to people and encourage them in God. You can get on a blog or whatever they call it. You get on Facebook and do all that stuff. You can use your fingers to encourage people to fight, to make them instruments of righteousness to God. Weapons. Praise God. It doesn't mean, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual things. Every so often, you know, I don't know about you, but every so often I, I get kind of feel like, man, I feel like fighting. <laughs> but I'm not a big guy, so <laughs> I wish to, you know, I used to wish that I was as big as my brother James. I probably would have been a bully then. <laughs> so it's probably good that <laughs> God made me this size. <laughs> or Andre the Giant. I would, I would have loved to be Andre the Giant. <laughs> 500 pounds. <laughs> you guys mess with me? <laughs> Praise God. But God <laughs> is our champion. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, and wherefore, because of grace, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What's going on inside of you? Verse 13, he says, Don't yield your members. Don't present your members as weapons of unrighteousness, but yield, present, surrender yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. The J.B. Phillips translation says, as a result of God's grace, present your members as instruments of righteousness. Like men rescued from certain death, put yourselves in God's hands as weapons for good for his own purposes. How many know we've been rescued from death? I don't know about you, but before I got saved, the path I was on was going on a downward slope. People, I kept meeting new people, and they were either going to jail or just getting out of jail. And 
It was not good. <laughs> Thank God that he had a different plan for me and got me out of there. Praise God. For sin, verse 14, shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Think of grace as like a canopy. We had to do some work out in uh, Benson, or no, Bisbee. And uh, the sun shone right on the door that we were working on. So my employer graciously bought us one of those pop-up canopies, which we were able to put up there on the wall so we could work in the shade, even though it was over 100 degrees. It was nice. We were under a canopy. Think of grace as a canopy. It's like a protector over you. Hallelujah. You're not under law, but under grace. It will not not be your master. Sin will not have any power over you. Temptation is common to everyone, but you don't have to give in. Think before you speak. Not always easy, but try and you know, pull the reins and wait a minute. There's been times that I did not think before I spoke and said things I shouldn't have said and, and, and it damages relationships. We're under grace. We're subjects of God's favor. The curse of the law has been completely lifted off. And through grace, now we are more than conquerors. The law had no grace, no power to even obey it. Nothing available to give you some help. But we have help from God. And you say amen. So present yourselves as weapons for good. For his own purposes. He that knows to do good and does it not. The Bible says it's sin. But we have an advocate with the Father. Our defense lawyers. Okay, well, you missed this. Okay, let's go on and got something over here. Excuse me. Well, that's all I have. Did you guys get something out of that, I hope? Praise God. God is good. He has raised us from the dead. He has given us power over all the enemy. He's given us hope. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And it's free for us, but it cost him, his son. We were dead. We're now alive. Live like you've been brought back from the dead. Praise God.